Exploring the Word is brought to you by Reclaiming America for Christ and the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. Is COVID-19 the wrath of God? This is Pastor Paul Blair, and thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word. Well, we are now dealing with an area of the study of end times. Folks, we see things going on around the world, and we see things going on across the country that has raised the question in the minds of many, is this God's wrath? Is this the beginning of the end? And quite frankly, if it's not, it's certainly is a precursor. You know, it's interesting, 2 Chronicles 7:14, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, where Solomon has asked God for what man should do if, if Israel disobeyed. And God said, if my people, which are called by my name, should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God said, I will hear, I will listen from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It's interesting that verse 13 leads into that with stating that one of God's judgments would be pestilence. We see in the Olivet Discourse that in the last days in particular, during the time of great tribulation, pestilence will be one of the plagues that is poured out on the earth. Well, many have asked, is this COVID-19 a part of that? Well, my dear friend and co-pastor, Dan Fisher, answers that question in today's message, Is COVID-19 the Wrath of God? Today, part one, I hope that you enjoy. We welcome you to the radio ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We invite you to join with us for today's Exploring the Word. Today I want to uh, pick up where Paul left off a couple of weeks ago before Mother's Day. Paul began a series of sorts on prophecy and how the whole COVID-19 coronavirus experience has awakened within us a need to maybe brush up on what we do believe about end-time prophecy. Does this have anything to do with end-time prophecy? What will end-time prophecy, once it's starting to be fulfilled in a, in a rapid way, what will it look like? And so I want to try to, to pick up on that today. And, and I want to answer the question, is COVID-19 the wrath of God? Or the judgment of God, but more specifically the wrath of God? Because I've actually heard Christians say, well, I believe that this is just the judgment of God on America. Now, I will be quick to tell you that if God were going to judge us, it ought to be something more severe than COVID-19. I'll tell you that for sure. And we definitely deserve judgment and or the wrath of God. But is this the wrath of God? Now, it might not seem important whether or not we answer that question properly, but I believe it is. Because I've always, even though I'm a dispensationalist, I believe that God works in different ways in different times. I'm also a, a premillennialist. I believe that God's going to come for the church before the great tribulation begins. I realize there are many different views of eschatology. We don't have to divide over those. We can debate them. We don't have to divide over them. But as, as I understand Scripture, I think it is important that we, we know what we believe, but I think it's also important that we don't 
say things that we can't prove. And that we don't go off kind of half-cocked and, and say things that actually make us look silly, that make us look like we don't really know the Bible, and that we're just alarmist. We're kind of like Chicken Little, and we're always looking for that shoe to drop, and everything is, a, is the wrath and judgment of God, right? So let's deal with this today, and, and I want to begin by talking about how we have handled this and what it actually is. All of us, now I'm not a physician, my son is a physician, but, but I'm not a physician, but I'm, I'm a learner. And one of the things that we know, even though COVID-19 is new, it's different, it is still a type of influenza. Now obviously those that are very vulnerable, that have other morbidity issues, it can be devastating and obviously can bring on death. There's no question about that. But in the end, it is a flu virus or a flu-like virus. Now, from the very beginning, we have dealt with this in an insane way. Now, let me illustrate to you. Here's Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, uh, Fauci who's kind of the, uh, the, the national spokesman for our government, on January the 21st, after the first COVID-19 case was reported in the U.S., this is a direct quote, the virus is not a major threat for the people of the United States. That's a direct quote from Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, has he changed his tune? Oh my gosh! To the point now that this is the apocalypse, that this is the end. Now, he's never said it quite like that. But think about it. In early March, we were told by Washington, D.C. that according to the CDC, Center for Disease Control, as many as 2.5 million Americans could or most probably would die of COVID-19. In mid-March, just two weeks later, we were told by Washington, D.C. that 100,000 to 240,000 would die of COVID-19. By mid-April, we were told, well... Really, it's going to be between 60,000 and 80,000. Now, that appears to me to be a group of people that don't know what they're talking about. Why is that? Well, because they're using models. They're using models that are only as good as the information you plug into them if the model is designed properly to begin with. Oddly enough, it's the same modeling people who are talking about climate change. Of course, it used to be global cooling, then it became global warming, and now it's just climate change because, of course, anything can be categorized as climate change. Well, this is exactly what's been going on with our so-called authorities and professionals in Washington, D.C. The lady who actually is responsible for uh, the White House coordination is Dr. Deborah Burks. Rush calls her the scarf queen because she's always wearing a different scarf. On May the 9th, listen to what she said. It's a direct quote. There is nothing from the CDC that I can trust. What? I mean, you're telling me that we've been doing all of this stuff that early on was coming from the CDC and now you're telling me almost three months into it, you can't trust anything from them? which must mean I can't trust anything from her. Not to attack her at a personal level or Dr. Fauci at a personal level, but come on. Early on, we were told, mask 
really don't work, don't wear one. Now what are we being told? Masks really do work, wear one. My daughter, who's a nurse, understands that it's very difficult to get a mask to seal around your face properly enough to even be safe behind a mask. I mean, for some of us who have worn similar masks and have worked around wood, when we pull the mask off, typically what do you find right in here and maybe around your mouth? Sawdust. Now, my question is, if sawdust, after I've worked and worked and worked trying to get that mask to fit, if sawdust can get inside my mask, do you think COVID-19 can? Now, I understand the concept of the mask does reduce spreading the, the disease to others. If we sneeze or cough, it will stop some of the particulates. But just notice how we were told they don't work. Now they do work. Early on, we were told to wear gloves. They really help. Now we're being told, don't wear gloves. They don't really help. Now, obviously the reason why is we're not surgeons in an operating room who are in a sterile environment who've been taught how to properly use gloves and then just as soon as they are finished, they know how to remove those gloves properly, dispose of them, wash up again, and then if they have to do something else, they put fresh gloves on. Well, we're not living in an operating room. We're living life on planet Earth. You can't do what is necessary. And of course, we were told, you got to just stay at home. We're just going to have to stay at home. And the reason we're going to do that is to flatten the curve. We're going to flatten the curve. Interestingly enough, in the last couple of weeks, that's not the reason. Now the reason is to find a cure. We've been lied to. Now, whether it was intentional or not, I don't know. Maybe it was because they're learning as they go just like we are. But you know, if you don't know, don't say If I don't know what God's Word says, I won't say it. So we were told, well, we need to flatten the curve. Well, no, no, no. Actually, what we need to do is find a cure. So we're going to lock down at home until we find a cure. Now, compare our response to COVID-19 with what we face every day on a yearly basis in this country. These are CDC numbers from 2018. The 2019 numbers apparently are not available as yet. But these are the 2018. They're recent enough. Look at the deaths to diseases like heart disease, cancer. That's already well over a million people in just those two. I'm not going to read all of these. You can read for yourself. Notice that we have gotten to the place that as human beings, we deal with it. We don't isolate people. We don't shut ourselves down because of all of these things that can harm us. And that's just a very short list. Obviously, there are many, many more. Look at the drunk driver deaths. Even though we've made strides in reducing those numbers, over 10,000 people a year are killed by drunk drivers. And yet we've learned how to cope with life. I believe we're at the place where, friends, we just need to accept the fact that COVID-19 is a part of life. And we have to deal with it. And life is always a risk. 
And we simply have to live with the risk or not live at all. Now, I'm not condemning anybody for their response. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But I'm telling you, we're being lied to or led down some path for a reason. In fact, every year, 480,000 people die from tobacco. Now, here's the truth that's starting to come out. The numbers have been falsified probably from the very start. This is Dr. Burks. She said, I think we are taking a very liberal approach to mortality. If someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that. There are other countries that if you have a pre-existing condition and the virus caused you to go to the ICU and then you have a heart or a kidney problem, some countries are recording that as a kidney issue or a heart issue. Duh! And not a COVID-19 death. The US, in the U.S., we're still recording it as a COVID-19 death. So in other words, we're just going to write everything off as COVID-19 regardless of what the real cause of death is. You say, well, now surely the numbers are not that bad. Well, in Pennsylvania, they had to remove hundreds of COVID deaths from its official death count following questions of accuracy and highlighted discrepancies by area coroners who were starting to catch up with the backlog of dead bodies and they discovered these people were not dying of COVID. They may have had COVID, but that's not why they died. And you'll notice now they've changed their their terminology to they died with COVID, not of COVID. And yet they're still in those numbers of COVID deaths. Project Veritas, if you're aware of them, they do undercover reporting actually did a study in New York, the state of New York, where they interviewed funeral home directors and they are finding from the funeral home directors that the numbers are greatly inflated. On May the 12th, San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond said after digging into the data, he believes that only six of his county's 194 coronavirus identified deaths are pure coronavirus deaths, meaning they died from the virus, not merely with the virus. He said, we've unfortunately had six pure, solely coronavirus deaths, six out of 3.3 million people. And yet the number that's reported is 194, which still, out of 3.3 million, is a very small number, and you don't want to be one of those 194, obviously. But he says the truth is only six of them really died of COVID. See, I could have a bad heart and then get the flu, and my heart mess up, and I have a heart attack and die, and they could say, well, he died of the flu. No, I died of a bad heart. Now, maybe it was aggravated by COVID-19 or the flu, but it was my heart. And yet these numbers, of course, are the fear tactic. Keep everybody afraid. And then, of course, what about the irreparable damage that's being done? This is Britt Hume, as you know. On April the 21st, Britt Hume, on, in an interview on Fox News, said this, and I quote, to boot... It's unclear how effective lockdown policies have actually been. I think it's time to consider the possibility that this lockdown is a colossal public policy calamity. We may not recover from many of these losses for a very long time, if ever. If ever. They're talking about a new normal. Let me tell you what the new normal is. A broken economy... 
and a culture in chaos. That's what the new normal is that they're creating. So what is the reason for all of this? Is it just to save face? Is it just because we are now a culture controlled by fear and we can't handle life and we can't handle the facts? Is that it? Are we just afraid to admit, hey, we were wrong? The British statistician who predicted 2.9 million didn't plug any mitigations into his model. But when he only plugged in social distancing, it went from 2.5 million dead to 60,000. One tiny variable. That's why I tell you that these models are not reliable. Do you remember? I'm 60 years old, so if you're anywhere close to my age, when you were in high school, we were being told that by the time we were adults, meaning having our own families, certainly by the 1980s, acid rain will have destroyed all of the forest in the northeastern part of the country. I remember as a kid in high school thinking, well, good grief. That is a tragedy. Somebody needs to do something. I was there not long ago. Guess what? We're on all the trees. Leaves. Now, how could they come to that kind of conclusion? Well, either just an outright desire to deceive or bad models. It's the only thing it can be. Here's what I think the real purpose is. Tyranny. Tyranny. This is the mayor of New York City, as you know, Bill de Blasio. And at the very early part of this, on March the 24th, he said that church and houses of worship were non-essential. And if you remember, he threatened, down to, to, he threatened to shut down churches and synagogues permanently. Listen to what he said. I quote, I want to say to all those who are preparing the potential of religious services this weekend, remember that's when we're approaching Easter, if you go to your synagogue, if you go to your church and attempt to hold services after having been told so often not to, our enforcement agents will have no choice but to shut down those services. Now, I could accept that if that was in the, uh, Russia or in, you know, Iraq. This is the United States of America. No faith tradition endorses anything that endangers the members of that faith. Well, I beg to differ. How about a Christianized country that stormed the beaches of Normandy to free Nazi-controlled France? How about that? How about a group of men who many of them were members of Jonas Clark's church who stood out in the churchyard now called the Lexington Green on April the 19th, 1775 and about 77 of them staring down the barrels of 800 British redcoats. Sometimes standing for what is right is dangerous. There is a risk to standing for what is true and what is right. De Blasio is wrong. But see, unfortunately, the modern church has allowed these overarching phrases. Well, we don't want to hurt anybody. Well, of course not. Well, we don't want to make anybody sick. No, of course not. We don't want anybody to die. No, we don't. And they'll use this line, if we save one life. Rush Limbaugh a few weeks ago said, well, what if opening up the economy, we save just one life? You can just turn this thing around on them. 
The fact is, life is dangerous because Adam sinned and until Jesus comes back, life will continue to be dangerous. Some of us are going to die in tragic accidents. I mean, accidents. Others of us will die of some disease or old age. That's just the way it is. Early on, one of the first pastors to stand up and say no is a pastor I don't even agree with. His name is Rodney Howard Brown. There are a lot of doctrinal issues that I would have with him. In fact, I did the black robe presentation not in his auditorium but on his campus in one of their church buildings back a few months ago, Paul, when we were there in Orlando and then down in Tampa Bay. But if you remember... He was one of the guys that refused. And on March the 29th, he refused to close his church. He pastors the River Church in Tampa Bay, Florida. He was arrested for having services in defiance of city officials. That would be the Tampa Bay city officials who had deemed churches non-essential. Now, I want you to listen to what the state of Florida's attorney said. Andrew Warren, I think it's unfortunate that the pastor here is hiding behind the First Amendment. I thought that's what the framers intended. I thought we were supposed to hide behind the First Amendment and the Second Amendment and the Third Amendment and the Fourth all the way through to all ten of them. I thought that's why they were written. It's unfortunate he's hiding behind the First Amendment. Well, that happens to be the amendment, Mr. Attorney, that guarantees freedom of religion and speech. And by the way, I don't have time to go into it. They'd taken all kinds of precautions. How about stuff like this? This is in North Carolina. A group of people who gathered in Raleigh, North Carolina just a few weeks ago on April the 14th to have a peaceful, and it was totally peaceful, a peaceful protest to address their government for redress of grievances. Does that sound vaguely familiar to anybody? In a peaceful protest, they were arrested by the Raleigh, North Carolina Police Department. And I want you to listen to what the Raleigh Police Department released as their thinking. And I quote, protesting is a non-essential activity. Tell that to Sam Adams and the Sons of Liberty. Tell that to the tank man in Tiananmen Square who stood up to that line of tanks whose picture is burned into history. Say that to the countless millions who have said no to tyrants. That's not essential? Friends, that is essential for liberty. On April the 12th, churchgoers in Greenville, Mississippi... I've actually done the black robe presentation, Pam and I, in that town. Members of the Temple Baptist Church were participating in a drive-in worship service where they stayed in their cars. But that service was broken up or busted up, as the article uh, said, by uniformed police officers, eight of them, who started handing out $500 fines to each person who was there. They're in their cars. Now, the interesting thing is the mayor of Mississippi had labeled churches as essential, but the mayor of Greenville had not, and he decided that church services were not essential, and he was going to fine Christians for going to church. 
Now, there was such blowback, as you can see at the bottom of the article, that he at least rescinded the fines. Well, wasn't that nice of him? Guys, I'm telling you why this has been happening. Tyranny. Now, I believe coronavirus is real. And I believe that we have to be very serious about it. And if people have certain health issues, then we need to do everything that we can do to protect them. But you don't protect the sick or the weak by locking up all of the healthy and the strong. It's the exact opposite. So I believe with all of my heart that this is tyranny. Now, our governor asked us if we would work with him and cooperate And not knowing early on what this was, we didn't have the advantage of all of these numbers now. Paul and I said, well, what do we do? We have a lot of senior adults in our church. We obviously don't want to expose them uh, unnecessarily. We want to work with our governor. He didn't demand that we close. He asked if we would work with him. We had a couple of conference calls with him and his, his office. And he told us, he said, as long as I'm the governor of Oklahoma, no pastor is ever going to get arrested for having a church service. But finally, Paul and I were able to, like you, get enough of the information. He said, enough of this already. What if our ancestors had not gone to church over the stuff they faced? My great-grandmother Bailey, my mother's grandmother, during the Spanish flu outbreak, went to the cemetery to bury one of her children and told my mother all the years when she was growing up as a kid, she said, and honey, I didn't know if on my way back home I wouldn't find another one of my kids dead. She actually did. She lost two of her children to the Spanish flu epidemic. But I don't recall her ever talking about just locking up in her house and not sticking her head out for two and a half or three months. What if our ancestors, what if Jonas Clark and his men and all of those of the War of Independence generation, what if every time some new illness had come through, they just threw in the towel and quit? What if Washington had shut down the Continental Army when they were all sick and dying in Valley Forge? No, they lived to fight that next spring and thank God they did. So, This is not the wrath of God. This is an illness that the politically correct idiots have been able to take control of and with the news media have, I believe, done their dead level best to get Trump out of office. I'm convinced that that's what this is about. I'm convinced about it. Now, now not the virus. It's real enough. But I believe the way we've handled it And what's going on now is nothing more than an attempt to tyrannize liberty-loving individuals and to drive the church underground. I'm convinced of it. With all of my soul, I'm convinced of it. Well, that's not the wrath of God. That's the stupidity of man. And to be honest with you guys, if they succeed, then we're to blame. We have no one to blame but ourselves. We're just stupid as they are. It is time for the church and honest, decent people to stand up and say no! We thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we look forward to being with you next time for the conclusion of this message is COVID-19, the wrath of God. Until then, may God bless you. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We hope that today's journey in God's Word has been a blessing to you. 
You can find more sermons and resources at our church's website, www.fairviewbaptistedmond.org or call 405-348-1745. Join us again each weekday for Exploring the Word from Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond.